Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey, welcome to the 151st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Dempsey Tapley, Evelyn Belasco, Shane Collins, and Stephen Helliker. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got Jocelyn DeBoer and Don Luby. They just got back from Sundance with their feature film, Greener Grass, in which they star, directed, and wrote. So they're a triple threat. We're going to talk about how they turned their successful short into a feature film, that's kind of a long road that's really fascinating but then also they managed to make the feature in record speed uh they're an incredible collaborative team it's a real treat yeah i mean it is insane we find out in this interview that they started writing in january of last year and they played at sundance in january of 2019 like incredible yeah how fast do you have to make a movie to get into Sundance after Sundance? Yeah, you'll learn from them. It's a really great episode, uh, especially if you want to make your own feature or if you have a short and you want to figure out how to make it into a feature. Yeah, These two have all of the answers. They did it, so can you. It's a great conversation. I can't wait to hop into it. I think we're going to bypass our catch-up today. But before we get into our conversation with Jocelyn and Don, we have one important thing to talk about, and that is our Patreon. Yes, that is our Patreon. You guys should check it out. Patreon.com slash JustShootItPod. It's the uh, rolling Kickstarter crowdfunding sort of situation where uh, you subscribe a little bit of money to us every single month to keep the show going. It's like buying us a cup of coffee or paying a buck or two for an episode. And it helps us do things like throw live events, pay for all sorts of bandwidth and sponsorship, do remote recordings, which is a new thing that we've been doing more of. All the little things that have kind of changed and grown out of the show in the last year or two. I think that the, we're really trying to evolve the program. And um, that's uh, thanks to your patronage. Yeah, uh, it's awesome. We've been getting a lot of patrons lately. Two of our five biggest patrons have actually been former guests on our show. That's incredible. Yeah, I guess uh, that's a one way to self-promote. <laughs> um, but yeah, we really appreciate it. Check it out. It helps us a lot, uh, and it's awesome. So thanks. And without any further ado, let's get into it with Don and Jocelyn. Well, hey, Jocelyn and Don, thanks for coming over. 
Hi, we're happy to be here. This is Jocelyn's voice. <laughs> this is Dawn's voice. This is Matt's voice. <laughs> this is also Matt's voice. Oh, weird. Um, you guys are just back from Sundance. When did you get back? We are late Sunday night. So okay. We are like long. a couple nights ago. Yeah. Yeah. Were you there the entire time? We were. Mm-hmm. Our movie, we weren't going to, and then our movie screened Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of the second weekend, and we were like, we've got to go. Yeah, yeah, you got to go. Right? Yeah. But you did the first weekend, too. We did. Yeah. The whole shebang. And were there, like, events or, like, photo sessions or things, like, for the filmmakers that first weekend? Yes. The first weekend was very busy. Uh, we had, I guess, what you'd call two press days, where we went around uh, to, and did press and on those press days is that something sundance arranged for you or like your publicist our publicist and then sundance also arranges so many nice dinners for the filmmakers and they have this cinema cafe thing where you get to Mm -hmm. i think be on the sundance channel wear your lanyard yeah (laughs) we wear our lanyards everywhere that sounds pretty cool i guess i should apply to sundance (laughs) Um, i always just thought it was kind of like a throwaway (laughs) festival (laughs) Um, you get a lot of free swag, and I mean that was the main reason we wanted. Sure, to yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's the only reason you made your movie. Yeah, 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 for the swag. Your vision board is like just all swag. <laughs> I used to make the joke about how all film festivals were filled with Stella Artois and pop chips. Yeah, the, yes. wait, that is yes. actually it's the, still the still case. Still a relevant oh, man. joke. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> okay, so so how did you guys get in? What's the what's the story? What's your movie, I guess? Let's start with that. Our movie is a feature called Greener Grass, which Don and I wrote, uh, executive produced, uh, starred in, and directed. That's Uh, a lot of you guys. We don't (laughs) trust other people. (laughs) (laughs) Just just like to work with each other. Uh, And And it was based off of a short, correct? It was. It was based off of a short film we wrote, starred in, executive produced, and our great friend Paul Briganti directed, uh, which was the first project Don and I made together back in the summer of 2015. It was on the festival circuit in 2016. And did pretty darn well, right? Like South by... Yeah. Other fancy places I'm forgetting. I do want to mention one fancy place, which was our premiere for Greener Grass called Clermont Ferrand. Oh, yeah. That's a fancy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shorts only, right? Is that right or no? Shorts only. It is the can of short film Mm -hmm. festivals. And I feel like so few people know about it in the States, but I feel like it was career changing to us to go there. We had (laughs) never heard of it. We, We made our short and we Googled. Best film like festivals film for festivals. short films. <laughs> yeah, it and was the top ten. Up. Yes. Yeah, so we're like, okay, we'll apply here. I think it was free to apply or like three euros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and had no idea yeah, what it was. That's kind of its vibe though, right? Like it's kind of meant to be democratic like that, right? Yeah, but they pay for you to... I think you pay for your flight, but they pay for your hotel. Yeah, and we and were there your, over a week. Yeah, and they give you... Per diem. Per diem. So it's... Aside from getting there, they it's give you per totally diem? free. Yeah. I've never heard yeah. of a festival doing that. No. For shorts. And for shorts, yes, you right? also don't get your hotel paid. The only yeah. other festival that put us up was New Orleans, um, which is also a great festival. <laughs> but yeah, so Claremont Ferrand wow. is where we premiered. And we were where like, is it? Uh, it's in a, a town called Claremont Ferrand, France. Yeah, kind oh, cool. of in... I want to say the center of France, mm-hmm. like a couple hours south of Paris. Mm-hmm. Wait, but didn't you make a short before that, The Arrival? The Arrival we made uh, in 2017. Yeah. Oh, about... after Greener Grass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you made Greener Grass 
and got into a bunch of festivals, including yes. South by and Claremont. Yes. Fernand. And before Ferrand, we even yeah. got <laughs> accepted to Claremont Ferrand, we were already on set for our second short, which is called Buzz, which might be our favorite thing that we've made. <laughs> Is um, Buzz available to watch or It no? is not. It just recently kind of completed its festival run and we we're going to release it on Vimeo soon. So Buzz, we were on the set of Buzz. We were shooting on location and we're like near the Neverland Ranch. Yeah, right near the mm. like, very <laughs> close to that in and, like the yeah. central coast of California. And we found out we got into Claremont Brown on set for that. Yeah. We were like, what is this? That's a good vibe, right? Yeah. yeah, it's a, which is yeah a but good I guess vibe. you probably don't realize how awesome it is yet, right? No. Yeah, yeah. But we were thinking about that recently because in my head, it's always like, oh, Greener Grass was successful as a short. Then we decided to make a second one. But that wasn't it at all. We hadn't gotten into anything and we were already were full tilt boogie already. on the But next you kind of knew. So I've, I've, seen, I've seen Greener Grass and I think I saw The Arrival. The Arrival also baby related right uh-huh. yeah they're both baby related uh-huh. buzz has no babies oh, okay i won't watch it then <laughs> i only watch baby stuff um, pass from Orin. <laughs> is uh i feel like you could tell it the short is good without getting into before you hear back from any festivals it's well like, but, but to be fair it's also really risky like it's a weird movie and so i'm sure any filmmaker would be like huh? are we sure about this one? Yeah. You know, like there's that thing of like, oh, I love it. Will yeah. other people get it is a, a question I'm sure you must have had, right? We did yeah. have that to the point of it wasn't clear on set that people thought it was funny. You know how sometimes yeah, you're sure. making things and like the grips are laughing and the yeah. other actors are laughing. I think like Nick and Brian, who, like close friends of ours who played our husbands would attest that they weren't like, this is going to be great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they, they didn't think it was festivals. They were really, like, really awesome. It did. That's awesome. Well, it is funny in the that way. The, that, that I really want listeners to be aware of that though. Like yeah. that is an incredible, like yeah. you have like a very successful feature <laughs> film based off of, off of a short that people weren't sure they liked and they were starring it. I, yes. Yeah. And the, I think that's true. Our good friends. <laughs> yeah. Our good friends. Our families did not like it. My family is a little weirder than Don. My, my parents loved it, but my younger sister did not get did, it. Like we absolutely it, yeah. lost her when yeah. Jill gives the baby away. I guess it's probably worth describing what it's about because it's like tonally very extreme, yeah, right? Yes, that's true. So it's it's a dark comedy uh, that has a psychological thriller aspect that's satirizing suburbia. Mm-hmm. Right, I guess like a Stepford Wives kind of vibe. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Totally. Like, but the, like crazier. David Lynchy as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What were the references that you were kind of tossing around together to like? Well, hone in on the the tone. We were lucky in that we had the short mm-hmm. as a reference when we were doing the feature for the tone. And then on in addition to that, we wanted to be very careful about using any film or TV references because we so badly wanted the world to seem like this unique world you've just never seen before. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is use photography as a reference. Oh, cool. So particularly the work of Gregory Crudson. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but the, like domestic, mm-hmm. um, you kind of disturbing surreal scenes with very controlled lighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also... Um, 
And that like, was your reference for the short. We use that just for the future. Yeah. yeah. For the short, I don't know, with Paul, what we were referencing back then. Yeah. It was... Like one of the we weird were, things is that you guys yeah. have... You're adults and you yes. have braces. Yes. Every yeah. adult has braces. I don't think our short is like this that much but at the time we were like very delighted by the web series Catherine which Dean Flesher Camp made with Jenny Slate yeah and I think we liked the humor in that although I'm not sure it really is much of a comparison to the short what I remember loving about Catherine was the simplicity of it and Mm -hmm. The nostalgia it's kind of timeless and it just feels like uh, my childhood, like things that were on TV. And then Catherine has this cool aspect of they, I read that Dean and Jenny were trying to achieve neutrality in emotions. So like no one gets like too worked up about anything. It's always this, everything is neutral. Right. Um, kind of reminds me of like the lobster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally. There's Which, like yeah. drama in the mundane. Right. Right. Yeah. Or like and, in, yeah. insane things are happening, but they're reacting to them like in very small ways. Yeah. 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 Which is not quite greener grass, but there's definitely an aspect of right. that. Yeah. But photographers we used as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that as a just a nugget of advice, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that so often you start getting into movies because you love movies and so you kind of keep pulling from those reference points and then things end up getting you just end up with like watered down tarantino or something you know what i mean like that's an easy pitfall for young filmmakers to make and i think i mean something we think about all the time is like how do you make a movie that gets into sundance right like that's (laughs) that's the big question and if you see i haven't seen your feature but i've seen your shorts like you can see how it's like a voice and like an angle that you haven't really seen much before, you know. That's nice. Um, it's probably because of that, right? Because you're not saying like, oh, it's like Pulp Fiction, but with moms, right? It's like. Yeah, I wonder. I will say to our fellow filmmaker listeners that we tried to get into Sundance three times before we got in with our feature, and. Um, in in those rejections had the opportunity to kind of build a relationship with the festival which i think is interesting we so we submitted greener grass and we got this very nice letter from one of the programmers who was like this was one of my favorite shorts it came really close but it didn't get in and and we didn't have a place for it and then the same thing happened with buzz and the arrival Oh, fourth thing. And then we were rejected again yes. the fourth time. Uh, when we applied for the labs, mm-hmm. uh, we got mm-hmm. we were finalists. Which, by the way, is with the, greener grass, with this with, script that may never see the light of day, <laughs> a feature that did have a baby. Um, <laughs> but that yeah, is the I'll reason <laughs> we made the arrival is because we wanted to do the screenwriters lab and then do the directing lab. Right, right. But we didn't have a short that we had directed because Mitch McGee oh, directed Buzz, our gotcha. our friend, and we love Mitch McGee. I'm, I, mm-hmm. I joke. But I think it might be true. I might be the biggest Mitch McGee fan. You are not because oh. I am. Yeah, no, I fucking I am. love. Mitch <laughs> yeah, so we yes. that's, we so hadn't Mitch directed had done, anything. Gotcha. So we scrambled to do the arrival. We did it in like a month and a half. I think from writing the script to submitting it to Sun. Or no, we just had to finish it so we could say we had directed something. Right. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. when you were applying for the directing lab, you had to have directed something mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And were you always a team? Our first project together was Greener Grass the Short. 
in mm-hmm. 2015. And you wrote and acted in it. Mm-hmm. You wrote it for yourself because you were frustrated <laughs> with waiting for people to give you parts that okay. were good. Kind of, or kind of. We just wanted to make something. Yeah, I think I wouldn't call Jill and Lisa like parts that are good. <laughs> I mean, not in the short. They're least. not very juicy roles yeah. for <laughs> any actor. No, it was more. I mean, like yeah. we love playing Jill and Lisa, but uh, it's um, it's it was kind of our fantasy as like writers and world builders to to make greener grass. I guess I'm going to rewind now. So you were both actors before you were writers? Yeah. So Don and I know each other because we were put on a mod team, which is the sketch teams Mm -hmm. at that Bright Citizens Brigade in New York. Um, so we are on this team called Onassis, which might be the best mod team ever to exist in the Upright Citizens Brigade program. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, I think that's right. I wasn't sure, Don, but I'm glad you confirmed it. I've looked it up. I just Googled it. Yeah, Yeah. it's in the top 100. Way better than Bombardier. (laughs) Wait, don't don't rag on my That was Jocelyn's other sketch team. Anyway, there so, there are a lot of great people from Onassis, though, right? Like that, you've I, had I, them on Paul, yeah, right? Paul Briganti, Josh Rubin, right? Uh, Emily Altman, Cassia Miller, both like mm-hmm. Emmy nominated TV writers. Yeah, um, Lauren, Lauren Adams, Adams from Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, then Frank Hale, who's an sure, incredible yeah. actor comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Signs, incredible stand up. <laughs> Rob Michael Hugel. Just such a great actor. Who am I forgetting? Alex Cordellis. Alex Cordellis. TV writer. TV writer. Um, Corey Walter Johnson. Such That's a, a big great team, you guys. Yeah. But anyway, so, Nassus was like our, our family in New right. York. I, I moved to LA first and then Don followed kind of at the end of the year and we were the only Onassis people that lived in LA at the time and then we were like well we're, we're just gonna hang out with each other and we truly <laughs> went to the gym together which neither of us are gym rats in any way but we had nothing else to do yeah we would like eat avocado toast for an hour and go to the gym and it would yeah. somehow take from like 9 a.m. to 1. And I think after a couple of months of that, we were like, maybe we should use this time to actually do something do productive. Something yeah. Yeah. And so that but at least you were making we... money, right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, but, so. Well, oh, yeah. just because this is something that comes up on our podcast a lot and we get a lot of emails about this, like, I guess I, we always talk about New York as being like, not a bad place for film and acting and all that stuff. Like, what made you move to LA and like, what? Like, do you think it was the right move? I mean, obviously, you just had a movie at Sundance, so so it seems like things are going well. Um, For that alone, it makes me so grateful that I moved to L.A. The fact that I feel like in New York, what was happening with me, at least, is I was booking consistent enough work Mm -hmm. as an actor that I was, like, paying my rent and... Like TV and film stuff. Mostly commercials and and lots of college humor back when college humor was doing, like, better produced stuff. Not that they're not now. (laughs) Like, outside... Using outside people, I should say. And, And... And I always knew in the back of my head that I wanted to write and direct, but it was just, like... 
that I was just so busy with mm-hmm. improv and sketch and my work that I just wasn't doing it at all. And Did then you go to film school or anything? No, I was an acting major in college, doing a lot of like Shakespeare and Chekhov and mm-hmm. <laughs> that right. kind of stuff uh, at the University of Illinois out in the cornfields. And mm-hmm. yeah. Don, were you focused more on acting or writing? I had a bunch of random careers in New York that oddly prepared me exactly for what I'm doing now in a way I didn't imagine. You're an orthodontist. I was an orthodontist. Um, no, I I worked for a um, photo dealer, of like mm. f- a fine art photo dealer wow. for several years. So we would just, I, it was this like very um, eccentric older English woman. And she truly taught me all about photography and composition. And we'd go to photo auctions and museums and stare at photos and talk about them for hours on end. And um, and then I also... What a weird, perfect job to have. It is so weird, but Dawn is invaluable (laughs) behind the monitor. That's incredible. Her eye for uh, composition is so fantastic. You're like, we could sell this frame for... (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then and I also was um, an actor I did a uh, did off-broad mostly stage stuff I was Mm -hmm. in an off-Broadway show for six years and did a lot of UCB and then I had another random career for a while for a Swiss finance firm Oh, cool. I mean, if you're going to work in was, finance. That also helps with our LLC. It <laughs> just does. Kind of. <laughs> Is that where you funneled the money to finance yeah. your yes, shorts? Yes, a lot of, yeah. Exactly. No. So anyway, but I basically decided to move to LA kind of after visiting Jocelyn out here. Hmm. I was lonely and proselytizing. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah, like, the gyms are amazing. Yeah. The toast. Yeah. Toast. Got, so Don, you're going to love this toast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they no, don't really have they. decent avocados in New York. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. That's the main reason yeah. I moved. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> no, and I remember it was also kind of in the back of my head that one day I would move to LA. Mm-hmm. I think I had kind of hit basically what I thought was like, where I would go in my career in New York. Onassis and, got retired at the theater too. So we were all in a bit of a like, mm-hmm. what do we do now? Yeah. And I remember I was visiting Jocelyn in LA and she basically said, no matter what, you kind of have to start over when you get to LA. Yeah. You have to re meet casting directors. You have to, you know, learn yeah. how to drive. All- <laughs> <laughs> Did you know like, how to drive? I hadn't driven since I was 18, so it was like 15 years or something without driving, and I avoided the 101 the first year I lived here, and it took so long to get places. (laughs) Wait, you like didn't want to drive on the freeway? Don also didn't make left turns. (laughs) No. (laughs) Jocelyn was like, I'll drive. But yeah, this I feel like the point that Don was making was such a shock to me when I first moved to LA because I had been with CAA for several years. I had a manager. I had just had a leading role in a film that was Mm -hmm. at Sundance and being distributed by IFC Films. And I was like... I was like, oh, I'm in a great position. Yeah, I have like, now this was all in New York. Fine, everyone. Yeah, Don't this worry. is all yeah. out of New York. And then yeah. when I got 
to LA, I still had those managers and like that fancy agency. And I got several auditions, but my life changed completely because I no longer had my community of people asking me to do little shoots every other week. And the commercial world is so different out here. Like in New York, you can really be a big fish in a small pond when you're a weekly performer at the UCB, or at least when I was living there, that was the case. And in LA, there are people who are career commercial people who you know, have Christmas dinner with the casting directors and what blah, blah, blah. It's just like a totally different thing. So that's why I was telling my friends, like, I, I think Don was like, well, I'm kind of waiting to get a good agent. And I was like, I have the best agent. <laughs> like, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you have to come out here. Well, yeah, it is cra- crazy because like on one hand, like we tell people, if you come to LA, like you literally, any coffee shop you walk into, like five people will be like, you'll see final draft on their computers. Right? Yeah. Like, You'll even if you don't try to be surrounded by people that are doing like the same thing that you're doing, you'll fail, right? Because it, um, everyone is just doing it, and yeah. it's part of the job is to like be surrounded by it, right? Mm-hmm. To be inspired and reminded, and like com- to compete with the people next to you. But so the but on the other side, it's like you are like the best actress in Cleveland, and you come here, and like no one wants to talk to you, right? Because yeah. there's just every best actress from Cleveland already came here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it's hard, I guess. Sure. But I think your point though, Jocelyn, about like just kind of getting in the sooner you tear that bandaid off, the better because you do start from scratch again, right? Like you are, yeah. you just have to jump in and, and get that whole process going so that you get to that success a little bit sooner. And not to say you can't have great success in New York and just sure. stay in New York, but if that's what you want to do and you want to be in LA but you think you couldn't have done like these shorts in the movie in New York? I think we could have. I just think we didn't have that open time that it was birthed out of. Yeah. I feel like in New York, I was always felt extremely busy, but I don't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I well, New York don't. is a way more social city than LA, yeah. right? Like everyone is having dinner like from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. like every night of the week at restaurants and people don't like hang out at home that much, I feel like, yeah. totally. compared I... to here where it's like you have so much free time. And even when you're in your car, you're by yourself thinking about things, right? Yeah. Like in a way that you're not in New York. Don and I both are middle children and we don't like Mm. to be alone. So it works really well because we (laughs) spend all day together. And then when we're in traffic, call each other. (laughs) It's uh, yeah, LA is isolating. So I was like, oh, I found someone who's just as lonely as I am. Perfect. (laughs) Truly. And so did you guys do anything to make money? when you were here I guess you were doing still doing commercial acting yeah but I was doing a lot of improv coaching and also babysitting when Don and I first started working together I like uh, two weeks before I moved to LA had signed a book deal um I did this book of like comedic essays and preteen diary entries uh what's the book called well I'm so (laughs) glad you asked (laughs) It's called My 1992 Diary. Wait, how did you get that? Did you have like a book agent or something? It was random. I was not Not a a writer. Not a random house. It was Penguin. Yeah. (laughs) I, um, my mom was cleaning out our basement and came across all my diaries from when I was a preteen and like sent them to me. 
and my husband and I were reading them and like laughing and he's like, oh, you sh-. this was when Tumblr was really sure. a big thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it still is, but he's like, just put them up on a Tumblr. These are really fun. And so I did. And somehow it like my blog got picked up by um, like it was on the front page of like Yahoo <laughs> and then it was on like CNN and all of these serious news sources. And like so a, basically yeah, like the preteen discovered became, yeah, yeah. A, a woman from the nineties <laughs> and um, somehow it became like a bit of a viral thing. Right. I, That's kind it, of like the sweet spot of like, you have a successful Tumblr that then becomes yes, a, a and book then it at becomes Urban a Outfitters. Book deal. Yeah. And then yeah. I yeah. guess I'm writing a book now. Um, so I really lucked into that. But the timing was such that I got this advance and I was like, oh, I could quit sure. my dumb, weird Swiss finance job that I've been trying to quit forever. And maybe I'll use this time to move to L.A. Wait, did you bring your husband with you? I did. (laughs) That's like, I feel like a lot of people we hear that have trouble moving to LA, it's because of that. Well, my husband actually, he lives and works in Seattle, and we've always been in a long distance relationship. Oh, wow. And so when when I was in New York, I'm like, maybe I'll move to LA. He's like, yes, we'll be on the same coast. Yeah. One day we'll live in the same state. Yeah. So he still lives in Seattle? He splits his time between Seattle and here. Oh, wow. And Don goes there, too. I go there, yeah. Seattle's a really great town, too. It's great. Yeah, Yeah. you should try the coffee. I hear. It's the best. I hear things, (laughs) yes. Well, cool. So, okay, so you made this short, uh, and did you do UCB stuff in L.A., too? I do a weekend team called Search History, where we go through people's Google search history and then do an hour of improv based off that. And I was put on that team, I think, about six months after I moved. But before that, I did audition for Harold Knight under Alex Berg. And I had already been on Harold Knight in New York mm-hmm. for like two years on what I think was the best Harold team at the time. And then I didn't get a call back for Harold Knight. Yeah. And then That's... like six months later, it was put on a weekend team. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, okay. Darcy Cardin also auditioned yeah. at the same time. And... and I don't remember if she got a call back or not, but we both didn't get on. Yeah. And then now we're on an, a weekend team together. There's but... a little bit of like LA and New York yes. rivalry with that. Yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to throw that out yeah. there for people that it, it still isn't easy at UCB either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you see people going into those auditions and they know all the judges or is that what you call a person yeah, that's yeah. judging? Yeah. A judge? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but then Don and I both did Mod Night out here too. I actually was on a team that lasted four years called Bombardier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was on a team called The Bus, which lasted one year. Mm. <laughs> RIP. But Don, uh, I've always been an actor on Mod, but Don was yeah. always an actor in New York and then was on The Bus as a writer. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting how they split it up like that. Yeah. So were you not writing for Bombardier? Never, no. They didn't let me. <laughs> Fast forward, you guys are making your shorts, right? So that brings us up to like Greener Grass is doing really well. It's going to France and Austin and all these great places. What makes you say, hey, let's turn this into a feature film? Yeah, or like, and also what's... Like, how do you get it financed and all that stuff? I guess that's a big question. Greener Grass, as we've described, kind of took on a life of its own. IFC approached our managers interested Mm -hmm. in seeing if we wanted to pitch a series. And then we did. 
and we sold it to IFC. Mm-hmm. So we didn't actually pitch that around. And was um, that your first TV pitch thing? Yeah. Yeah, I had pitched uh, a TV version of That Couple You Know, which is this little show I did with Mike Scollins and Josh Rubin mm-hmm. and Emily Altman, <laughs> um, where Josh Rubin and I play an annoying couple, basically. So I had been through the TV pitching process with that. But then um, it was our first time pitching together. Yeah. Can you give us the logline for Greener Grass? The TV show? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even remember it. I know. Is it it's... is the short different from the feature? And like it's it's the same characters, but you, right? Mm-hmm. And just just to clarify, you're pitching the, a TV version. Which yeah. actually right? was so like, quite different from the yeah. short in a way that we then kind of stripped when we were doing the feature and went mm-hmm. back to the roots of the short. I see. Yeah. And the short's about two competitive women, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're com- I feel like at one time our logline was like, well, Jill and Lisa compete. Or no, well, their children compete on the soccer field. Jill and Lisa compete on the bleachers. But then yeah. we moved away from that. Yeah, but because it's anyway. hard to like put tone into a logline. It, it is hard. So yeah. much of what. But yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, you're competing, but it's like so extreme, like... If yes. one of you doesn't have a baby, then the other one will give their baby away to be cooler, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And we we try not to give away plot points that aren't in the short, but that one is in the short, and it does happen in the future. Um, but yeah, so we, so we were at IFC right, for... Right. We were developing that pilot for, I want to say, like five or six months. So how does that work? You mm-hmm. you Is there a production company, or are they just... Like your manager, IFC comes to you and they're like, hey, we love your short, pitch this to us as a TV show. It it was that kind of thing. Um, And then uh, we went with Brillstein, who Mm -hmm. were our managers at the time. And And did they help you develop the show at all or was it just the two of you? um, It was the two of us. And then we did go in to their conference room and pitch it and Mm -hmm. they gave us some great notes. And what's, um, can I just, just to dig in a little deeper into that, what, like, how do you structure a pitch for a TV show? Like for that TV yeah, show? Yeah, what we did is we made a pitch packet that I think was... How many pages was that? Like I want to say around 15. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so Josh Rubin is the one who put together the pitch packet for That Couple You Know, which was then what we modeled mm-hmm. <laughs> Greener Grass. Right, you're after. like, oh, I've got one of these. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So the, it's like these very beautiful pages mm-hmm. that were done by a graphic designer sure, that we right. paid. And Josh also have a, has a background in commercials. So yes. like, there's like a magazine style. Very beautiful pitch yeah, decks. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so with that designer, do they help you find the images and stuff too? We actually made a Google Doc with all of the images. And so we were like, page three, tone and then like Mm -hmm. six Google images and then a paragraph and then the graphic designer laid it out and she made it all look like an old-timey newspaper Mm -hmm. kind of thing. That's cool. (laughs) Um, And And so you printed it out for your pitch? Yeah, we we gave it to them. Now I'm remembering we were told to give it to them after the pitch so they're not flipping through it the whole time. I 1,000% agree with that. Like, that's a thing. Well, we've had a lot of debates because I pitched this show a couple of years ago where we had like a presentation, like a PowerPoint type of thing. First, it was like images and text. And then we were like, no, no, that doesn't work. And then it was just images and we were talking about them. Because we felt like it would help us set the tone. And like when we talk about a character, like you could see so much if we just put a picture of someone, you know, yeah. their race and their age and all that stuff that you don't have to like 
just unload details like that during I the pitch. I remember debating about this too. And then actually, I think what we ended up doing was giving the pitch packet to them. Yeah. But like I said, we didn't and, take it around. And then lot, they so. start just, well, I mean, yeah. look. Well, they bought it. They bought it. So, you know. <laughs> so what do they, do they yeah. buy a pilot or how, what happens They then? buy a pilot, but you also negotiate your contract for six years, which you can <laughs> then renegotiate after two years, I think. But that's very interesting. As showrunners. <laughs> Or as um, producers, creators, we, writers? I think we were co-EPs. Mm-hmm. That could become EPs, I think, the second year. Something First, like that. Yeah. yeah. It was negotiated that we would star in it, but not necessarily direct. Yeah, and yeah, that was one part we yeah. were very worried about because we right. really wanted to direct it. Yes. What, can I ask you why it was so important for you to direct it? I want to say first and foremost that Paul Briganti and Mitch McGee, who did our first two shorts, were our film school. Like, mm-hmm. they let us shadow them. Our editors let us sit there and, like, learn about shots. And sitting in on the edit taught us so much about writing and also writing for a film and also mm-hmm. directing. So those were absolutely invaluable. But then... When it got to a certain point that we were like, oh, we know how to make a shot list or like we we found that because we're writing it and we happen to write kind of unusual worlds that just no one gets the tone as well as we do in our brains, of course. And we just felt like we wanted to be the ones making the decisions and felt confident to do that. I think, too, with doing our three shorts and sitting in on the edit every single moment, we really, with our scripts, write with the edit in mind so much. And mm-hmm. we see exactly... In a way that you didn't before. Not at all. Yeah. And we really think about what you see in the frame when mm-hmm. in every li- moment. Yeah. That I think it's gotten to a point where it would be so hard to write something and not direct it. Mm-hmm. Right. We would have to do so much more stage like description in yeah. order to get what we wanted. Yeah. You guys, right. this is a 300 page script. I think it's going to run about 72 minutes. Wait, and you guys are always on the same page? I mean, the, you're, the tone is so unique and the visuals are so um, original that it's like hard to believe that two, it's coming out of two people, you know, and oh, not one. Yeah. I feel like we certainly will go back and forth about the way mm-hmm. that something will be, mm-hmm. but I feel like that happens the most in the development process. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, should she have a son or a daughter? I don't know, this and that, blah, 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 going back and forth, back and forth, and then um, come up with an answer to that, that by the time we're on set, we're like on the same page. But yeah, um, but yeah I feel like developing together is the only way we get to what we get because it's always like uh, I'll pitch a little something and then Don will make it better and then we'll take that and I'll have an idea and it's so much collaboration well what about on set is one of you more worrying about the camera and one more worrying about performances yeah yeah how did the um responsibilities get sliced up everybody always asks us that and the best answer we can think of is like we always tell people that we're like a two-headed monster. Like, mm-hmm. or no, we have the same brain, I should say. And one head of, <laughs> oh, one-headed. Like, yeah. A one-headed Two bodies, one-headed monster. Why are we a monster? No, yes. but we're like, think of us as one person. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And we do, we both. We both do everything, which sounds like it would be chaos, but it somehow isn't. And I, I think it's because as much as possible, we do 
everything that we can in the preparation. Mm -hmm. So when we're shot listing, we really, really are on the same page then. Like if we have disagreements, Mm -hmm. it's ideally happens then and we figure it out before we get to set. Right. And then we just know exactly what we want to do and it's not like we're both talking to an actor and telling them different things or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like in any given scene, often one of us will be communicating with the actors and we'll, we'll try and be mindful that we aren't both bombarding an actor, for example, Mm -hmm. but not that it's never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've I've worked, have you been on sets with two directors? I mean, I've co-directed a couple things, but I've also been on other sets where there's two directors. I did do one co-directed thing. Uh, that now that I think of it, it's funny because uh, it was like a reality style thing where they basically should have just hired me to write is what I think they wanted to do, oh, but just didn't know better, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a show called Ghost Hunt, and it was like reality style where people who had ghosted each other got brought back together. So anyway. you directing that? Yeah, I co-directed that. Yeah, I've seen like with other directors, it depends. Some of them are and like it was a nightmare. I so say, in so. tune with each other. Like Mitch and Phil, these two sure. guys. One of them, Phil is like kind of more the artsy person and Mitch is more the technical person. They're both, Phil is very technical and Mitch is very artsy and creative. But like on set, like Phil they is work. more like messing with the art department and Mitch is more like messing mm-hmm. with where the camera's going. And he tends to talk to the actors a little bit more. Um, but also when things aren't going well is like when you notice it the most, because there's just all these whispers behind the, the, <laughs> the monitor. Right. And it can be, I think for the actors, like, like unsettling yeah. sometimes, like, did you like that? Did you not like that? Yeah. Is it like, hey, so, what, are they, what are they talking about? You know? Yeah. And in commercials, it happens all the time, right? right. Cause the agency and there's 400 people totally. giving notes after yeah. every take. And, and then you like, walk over and you're like, sorry. And you rotate a pillow. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's well, exactly. that's like my dream is to be like, sorry, it's just this pillow looks weird. But the worst is when they're like, can you just say it like, can you just smile more, you know, when you're saying it? I know it's a funeral scene, but like they just, they just want <laughs> just, a positive just spin one, on it. Just one way you smile, please. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool that you feel like it's not even something that comes up. Yeah. It's, and we had the luxury too of, I, I always feel like being directors now after being actors for years, mm-hmm. we've gotten to be on so many sets um, and see how different right. ships run. Different captains run their ships. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, I guess I've had definitely worked with directing teams a lot, particularly Josh and Vin, mm-hmm. but um, other ones too. And I think, so I had that in mind very much of like, we need to yes and each other mm-hmm. it always in front of people and anything else, you know. But also I will say, Don and I are both Midwestern middle children and very uncomfortable like with, with conflict yeah not that we can't (laughs) handle it we certainly can but it's not our mode to To challenge each other like i don't think i heard my parents fight until i was like in my 20s so it's like just it's like definitely a mode of like well we're gonna keep the everything good everything's gonna be fine we're gonna do one take like this (laughs) and then we got that just for something totally different let's (laughs) try it this way and then we both get we can get an alt of that done that'll be an alt we'll get <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm making us no, sound like that, nightmares. That is the way to do it, though, right? You know, I, because I like so. it's easier yeah. to just shoot it two ways, and then you know you'll come to your senses later. You yeah, know? just shoot it. Yeah, just there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think also because 
with at least like greener grass in our shorts because we wrote them and had read them out loud to each other a million times. Mm -hmm. We really are so on the same page with how we imagine the performances. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm hearing is just that you're, it's all on the prep, right? Like just so much. And you over avocado toast, you get it done, you know? Of course, like everything changes on the day. Sure. As everyone knows but when you have that prep together you you can at least be like well this is what we're going for mm-hmm. so let's yeah make that, a that's your baseline yeah. to start from. do you guys give each other like performance notes like oh you know it would be funny if you like grab this candle away from me before totally I i'm sure yeah. that's the most creepy thing about watching us is watching us give each other notes yeah that's it's gonna like be real weird strange yeah. pillow talk that everyone <laughs> yeah. gets to witness but we we do have such a shorthand with each other that we're able to like give each other like quick intense notes right. and performances change and i'm sure it looks very strange to outside people i'm curious about just the mechanics of you two both being in front of the camera for what i assume is the majority of the movie right mm-hmm. so like how like is an ad calling action for you and all like how does that work is there anything yeah. weird or unique in that way um playback is so valuable okay. so what we do is we usually block the scene and then we roll on the rehearsal mm-hmm. so then we can give any notes with like oh that picture flame frame is re- reflecting this mm-hmm. light or whatever like that and then we'll usually roll another one and then we feel like, like everything is set then we'll start doing takes and we and then we usually have a feeling of we've got it uh which comes usually internally like oh i think that was good we've got it and then we'll watch playback on that mm-hmm. and then usually do another one and then in the edit use the one that we thought of when we sure. yeah yeah. Um, yeah the second to last take is kind of the winner it really is yeah. yeah and you don't have trouble like getting into character and stuff like when you're also worried about yeah i mean i guess all actors have to like hit marks and do weird timing and stuff for the camera i think that's a part of film acting that is so different than stage acting Mm -hmm. is there's always one part of your brain that's being technical Mm -hmm. uh and we do have our ad call action and cut Mm -hmm. usually if one of us isn't in the scene right sometimes but I feel like the AD just called action and cut on our side. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I struggled as an actor, like in an honest way. Mm-hmm. There are times when it is hard because you're worried about so many different things. Right. right. Especially if you're like running late or something and you know you have to cut like five shots and now you're trying to figure out how to do the scene sure. and less shots, but you're also a character that's just supposed to like take their time totally, right in the living yeah. room. Yeah. It was harder for me than I thought it would be to yeah act and direct like on our feature and I think there was also just a lot of elements at play we were moving quite fast Mm -hmm. and what sort of page were you guys doing we were doing probably seven or eight page days yeah and we were had several scenes that were outdoors in 95 Mm -hmm. degree sun and just thunderstorms looming in a movie that doesn't have weather (laughs) yeah where did you film it um, Georgia in August. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All um, right. We had, it was a 19-day shoot. We had 17 location moves. Yeah, there were babies yeah. mm-hmm. and dogs. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess it might not be as a result of, like, acting and directing as much as just yeah, a lot a of stressful yeah. <laughs> uh, circumstances yeah. Yeah. that we put on ourselves. Yeah. 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 Right. So you, you did the pilot for IFC, and then it didn't 
it didn't go yeah it's we were just in kind of an unfortunate situation of we were on a slate of i think 13 pilots that got wiped when there was a a regime regime change change. Yeah. yeah yeah but it was the best thing that happened to us honestly because it's why we directed the feature mm-hmm. yeah. so you had the pilot script and oh but then you abandoned that right and started writing the feature at that yeah. point there was about a week period where we were like we should repitch this to other networks mm-hmm. we never really went around with right. it and during that week jocelyn was down in austin shooting the indie feature thunder road mm-hmm. i was acting in that, acting oh, in that. jim cummings Yes, and I happened to be at a film festival at the Napa Valley Film Festival because The Arrival was showing there. And I, that's the best one, right? And like, it's like I mean, the most fun one, right? Yeah. The most I'm, delicious wine yeah. and food. We won an award at that festival, and the award is like a three and a half foot tall bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> we still have that drink. Yeah, we're like when the is the yes, throw yes. a party? Then. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, but I think oddly, both of us being apart from each other and having those experiences of Jocelyn being on a on an indie set making mm-hmm. a movie with right. a lot of friends and I was And as DIY not DIY, yeah. but like there's a spirit to what Jim's Jim trying Cummings. to do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. I was surrounded by all these other director like filmmakers that that week and talking about right. you know, next your next project. Sure. And we both right. kind of got back to LA and we were like, what if we didn't sh- pitch this as a TV show? What if we just made a movie? Mm-hmm. And from that point, it was like just a quick, fast decision. And we were off and running. with. Yeah. Did you guys like high five each other at the end of this conversation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so how long did it take you to write the feature? I would say we started really writing it in January. Mm-hmm. And then we sent... And last year? Yeah. Yeah. Of 2018. Yeah. yeah. We sent our producer, Natalie Metzger, who is a, a producing god walking among us. Uh, we, How did you attach her? Uh, we So she had done our short, The Arrival, mm-hmm. and we found her from Jim Cummings, mm-hmm. who our, our short, Greener Grass, was in competition with Thunder Road at South By. Gotcha. And so we kind of met at a party and then Facebook messaged him and we were like, you had the best short at South By. Who is your producer? We want a producer. And that's how we found Natalie. And And when you attach a producer to a short, uh, do you like have to pay them or how does that work? So Natalie kind of decided what she would be paid and we always see it as a line item, but it's never a conversation for some reason. Like, (laughs) this is what I need to make. But we're like, oh, that's how much Natalie's giving herself. That's not enough. (laughs) But so you you raised money for it and then you give her the budget. You're like, we have. Yeah, we have this amount of money. grand or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And for our feature, we were very lucky in that we had a sole investor who was like a fan of the short film who uh, wanted to fund the feature, which is insane and rare. Was there like a certain... Did you know how much money you needed? We went to Natalie with the budget which was what this investor had said oh like he, oh here's the lump sum basically yeah, was, yeah was which, willing to fund and we're like this is the script wait, so you this meant, is the amount of money we have can we do it yeah right. so you met this investor and you were like what's the most amount of money <laughs> you can give us no 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 no. they were basically like um I, like, I want to give you this like amount here's what to i got make a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and and it's not a film person no just a fan of 
you guys. We joke like an orthodentist frustrated with the, the popularity of Invisalign. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> a movie about braces. Yes. Finally. He's funded some other film projects, but... For just, other people. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not his he's not in film but that's a really fast track then yeah, you, wrote, you started fast. writing in january and then you were in sundance in january that's like insane yeah, that is it was i it, thought making a movie takes two years that's why matt you were like that's i like haven't seen TV you movie. in three years and i was like really i have <laughs> like we have just been off the yeah. planet yeah um, <laughs> making yeah. a movie great good yeah. yeah we met with natalie in i think may with the script and we were down in Georgia in pre-pro in July. Wait, and we so shot in August. I just got a head rush from that sentence. Wait, wait, yeah. that but so when you good. wrote the script, I guess you had written features before, right? We had written one that got rejected from the Sundance Labs. Right. So did but you like know this was them. good? Like, <laughs> you know, did you know? Did you get a lot of notes? Like, I guess what's the process? You, you were just like, let's. This needs to be a movie, and let's make it. Yeah. We, have... we thought it was good. <laughs> we we did have a couple roundtables with our Onassis friends <laughs> and some sure. other people, which were very helpful, but also the tone of our movie is so unique mm-hmm. that everything obviously needs to be calibrated to us and our sense of humor. And even our funniest friends were pitching jokes and changes that we were like, this is so funny. We know this is so funny. And then got back and we're like, it's not right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we found that while getting notes is very valuable, it really, we worked fastest and best when we did it. Sure. It's <laughs> funny. So I was strange. just talking to my wife about this because we will like once we have a script ready we'll like do like a table read with Mm -hmm. we'll bring over a bunch of friends and kind of like go around and you know i have a phrase i can't remember where i first heard it but like uh, of people who know enough to do real damage you know like they're really smart they're very funny but like don't necessarily get what you're trying to do or whatever just or it's not your taste or their taste or whatever and how i'm not sure that like the pizza party table read is maybe actually helpful. That's so funny we're talking about this because Don and I do talk about that. And I think that is true. I think it can be very helpful. It can be. And it's not to say don't be open to notes or criticism or the way that people are perceiving your movie. But like sometimes you're, you know, you've just got a blowhard friend or something and it's like they don't get it and it's hard to just, you, you can't just shut them up, right? Like, yeah, that's rude. They're, yeah. they're there to give you notes, you yeah. know? And Probably it depends. Like, if you read, like, the social network, right? Like, an Aaron Sorkin script and the dialogue is just, like, amazing, but it's not visual. You know, obviously, sure. the movie ended up being visually It's a radio nice, play, yeah. But it also is, like, a script that's meant to be read. It's different than if you read The Lobster or something, right? And people are like, yeah. this, like, why is he turning into a lobster, you know? it's That mm-hmm. is such a good point, and... We, our short film Buzz, which everyone needs to watch, it's not up. Um, but it, we had an interesting thing of Don and I thought it was for sure a comedy, mm-hmm. but very little in the script. 
signified that uh-huh. but we so knew that it was and it's at festivals it hits great as a comedy mm-hmm. but but on our, the page yeah yeah our producer did not think it was a comedy while we were shooting he thought it was a very serious short film and even mitch mcgee would sit yeah. here and t- talk with us about it and the three of us were butting heads a little in yeah. a very constructive way sure, sure but about whether or not it was a comedy. And Don and I were like, like a hundred percent sure it was. Um, so it's just a funny yeah. thing where, and then it is, yeah, but yeah. it, um, so tone is like, it's so it's hard. really yeah. tricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost feel like that's a sign of a good movie is if like the table read goes bad, it means <laughs> that it's different enough that people are not used to it, you know? Well, and I think sometimes people are just trying to tell you about the movie that they want to make. Yeah, you know? yeah, or like yeah. we had, you know, I did made this movie about like a deaf kid, and one of the people at one of our test screenings was like a special needs teacher, and she's like, I just don't think you even began touching on the special needs education opportunities that are exist in America, right? And like right. this, yeah, I don't care about yeah, that. They, so. yeah, yeah. they're wrestling. That's yeah. your yeah. Like they get so fixated on yeah, this yeah. one thing they think, or, or what yeah. they connected on, which isn't yeah. what the movie's about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So you shot the movie, then you got into Sundance. You edited yeah. it for one month. So really, we should say we shot the movie when we did because we wanted to submit to Sundance. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that was... And I, that's like everyone that doesn't get into Sundance says that's like the worst thing to ever do, <laughs> yeah, right? Is that true? I'm probably... Well, I do think it's good to have uh, that deadline because yeah. it's kind of, I think, the earliest of all the deadlines so it's nice to submit to Sundance and then your movie's ready to send elsewhere but everyone's like a lot of people like race for this that like they edit their movie in like two weeks and they submit a work in progress and it doesn't get in and then oh I wish we shot more days yeah or we edited longer or we didn't blow all our budget you know in two weeks so Natalie who produced our movie also produced Thunder Road and as you guys probably know, Jim Cummings short Thunder Road won an award at Sundance. It won the Grand Jury Prize for shorts. And he, his movie was just, I think it was three weeks short of being eligible for Sundance. Mm-hmm. And so he just didn't finish it in time or submit it in time. And so Natalie was very much like, we cannot do that. Yeah, yeah. And we also were like, we got to try. So... I would say when we pencils down on our script, well, we never did. We yeah. we f- we knew we liked the script. We never were like, this is done. Mm-hmm. But we were like, we need to start casting. We need right. to start this. Mm-hmm. And we had major rewrites of the script while we were in Georgia. In the middle of shooting, we were rewriting scenes. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. that is not ideal in any way. But... Uh, I just know that I can't imagine ever feeling like the the movie's ready. It's perfect. Let's shoot. Right. We just didn't, and I'm glad that we you just did. had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And why did you shoot in Georgia? For the tax incentive. It our money uh, seemed to go the farthest there. Yeah, we got an extra thirty percent on top of our budget, sure. basically, which is huge. Yeah, but you had to like fly out cast and crew and put everyone up and feed everyone and all that yes which is difficult but i Um, guess for only like three weeks right yeah and i would say too for our story we really wanted it to seem like anywhere america Mm -hmm. and not have the palm trees and where we shot in georgia just couldn't be more picturesque and 
Um, so that was part of it too. But but yeah, flying people out, and we we all stayed in a Holiday Inn. <laughs> so, uh, sounds great. Sounds yeah. like a blast. Um, genuinely. Uh, yeah. Was Sundance aware of your movie as you were making it? Like, they were they were. tracking it, quote unquote? Yeah, a, a little. I, a bit. little. That programmer who had written us the nice note happens to be a friend of Janixa Bravo's, mm-hmm. who's an actor in our film who had Lemon at Sundance. Gotcha. Um, and so they kind of knew each other, and Janixa was posting on Instagram, and that programmer was commenting, and then they had a phone call while we were on set. So we were like, good, we're on the radar. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, Janixa put in a good word for us with some programmers, and as did Jim Cummings. And, yes. And Natalie, our producer, also had a relationship with Sundance. So they kind of were in communication. Right. Right. With with some of the programmers, not yeah. a lot, but I think Sundance was aware. Yeah. I, I think that's helpful for listeners, though, because you know you hear of like, oh, like who sent it, right? Who submitted it for you? All of that stuff, or like, how are people even tracking, quote unquote, tracking a film in the first place? And like, it can be that simple. It can be, oh, my friend's a programmer. They saw me on Instagram. You know, like, yeah. And frankly, is maybe probably the best way of doing it, rather than like pestering someone with something you know yeah and I thought it was interesting Matt used the word tracking that when one of the programmers were was introducing our movie at Sundance she was like "Uh, these are two girls that I've been tracking for years now Mm -hmm. they've made these incredible shorts and blah 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 and I was like oh they have been tracking us even though we've kept sure. feeling like, like we were getting rejected like, by yeah, Sundance sure. you get yeah. rejected enough yeah. they're at least aware of you yeah. <laughs> um, that is a wonderful lesson though. It, it is right because yeah. we were Natalie was gunning for Sundance as were we but we were always joking we're never going to get into sure. Sundance yeah. they don't like us yeah. um, but I do think like one version of the story that listeners hear is like yeah these two girls made a, their first movie and it got into Sundance yeah. right and then the other version is like what we've just heard for the last hour which is like they for years they worked together on a mod team in New York they moved to LA and they restarted and they made short after short after short and got rejected and worked in other people's movies and did all this stuff and finally got into Sundance you know it's just like like a new filmmaker it's, it's very hard for them to recreate what you did because you have like so many years of experience you know it's just kind of about the perseverance and like the the long haul, it seems yeah, like. But yeah, but we do, we got to talk to a lot of, like, young filmmakers at Sundance. They put you in these, like, round mm-hmm. tables where right. you can meet them. It's and, like camp a little bit. Right? Yeah, and we found that one thing we kept saying is our careers did change when we actually made something because that made all the difference for us to be able to have something to show people. And we have so many friends who are incredible writers who have scripts that they're shopping around. And not to say that's not a good way to do things, but for us, it helped to have something to kind of really show what our voice is. So we're like, if you can just shoot something that in our experience might take you farther than just shopping around a script. Right. And I, and you're saying even like compared to acting, it just yeah. was a, it's a it's a different thing than making your own stuff. It's a tricky thing. Like I feel sensitive preaching that you have to make stuff as an actor because 
I think acting is its own craft Mm -hmm. that is so, so special and so different from writing. Like, you do not have to be a good writer to be a good actor, nor do you have to be a director. It's its own art form that's beautiful and worthwhile. I think I wanted to direct and write separate from the fact that I'm an actor. So I... I don't want to tell all actors you have to make something because I, I don't want that to be the case sure. for them if they don't want to do that. Yeah. When we've all seen the version of a, like a semi-improvised, you know, drama, like the big chill, but millennial or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, and there's a good version of that out there, but like, it's easy to kind of back yourself into trying something that maybe you don't have the ambition to hone that craft quite the same way yeah. you know like being an actor is hard enough you know like that's a lifetime pursuit so like, yeah but yeah. I do feel like <laughs> now I'm gonna go back on what I'm saying only to say I do feel like when we're casting like for example we directed two episodes of Adam Ruins Everything in the fall and we really wanted to pitch all of our friends and our friends that are terrific actors who don't have tape, we cannot pitch. Right. Like, right. in order to even get them seen by the casting director, you need to send the casting director something. Yeah, so, you can't just be like, trust me. No. Yeah, we were the, like, and the directors are the ones saying, trust me. Yeah. Like, I want to cast like, this person. We've, seen this person on stage at UCB for years like they're amazing please let them play this two line sure. part yeah. and well can you they, get auditions for them well we mostly did I think we did almost all offers for our Adam episode mm-hmm. just because we know so many actors but uh, I guess we could have had auditions but yeah. they were just auditioning the yeah. kids for our episode really yeah I think that that show goes pretty fast too on yeah, stuff, yeah it is really fast but it's something that I feel like when I was just an actor, I was really rolling my eyes at like websites and reels. And I was like, people know who I am. I don't need a reel yeah. like or a website. Um, but we really use those. Even for casting Greener Grass, we still had to pitch cast. I mean, we had the final say, but we still had to give our casting director something to, sh- right. to you know, any blah, 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 blah. So actors have tape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about uh, the future of Greener Grass, right? Like, you guys got a lot of great buzz. You know, it's like, it, was a, it seems like a pretty great year for Sundance. Like, people are finally buying things and all of that. Um, what can you say about the future of the movie? Well... One thing to say is we got back on Sunday and late Sunday night, Monday morning, we were back in the edit. Mm -hmm. So we are editing again. Mm -hmm. And why? uh, Because mostly we had six screenings with the greatest test audiences. And we just want to fix things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mostly like carving out some jokes that we know are funny and we're like, why isn't this getting a laugh? Oh, there's a background child screaming right on the joke. Right. Like a lot of things like that. Did you read like reviews and are you, does that play into your editing at all? We don't read any reviews. A a few friends or whatever have texted us quotes from the reviews. Mm -hmm. So we're like a little bit aware. You're not curious? I think this is the thing. (laughs) Our movie 
I think we have known had the potential to be something people loved or hated. Mm-hmm. Like we fully sure. made this, Your and we were like, yeah, we're like half the theater might walk out, right? And we just knew that going into it. And so I think I wish I could say I don't care what the reviews are. Of course, I want the reviews to be good, but. I don't need to know what they say. Mm-hmm. Whether they're really good or really bad, that's not going to help me. Or, like, I don't want it to influence the next thing we make. We're, right. That is our biggest concern, is we're trying to protect our, our next project. Mm-hmm. So even if it was an amazing review and someone's like, you have a great review in LA Times or whatever, you would not read it? Um, like, we... I don't think we'll ever sit and read it on our phones, but like Don's husband read a lot of our variety review mm-hmm. out loud to us. <laughs> and that was really nice to hear because it was yeah. really, but we yeah. would be like, don't like, don't, don't say, say anything just, like, that's going it, yeah. to like yeah. mess yeah. with our heads. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Was he reading it from Seattle? Uh, no, he, he was, was at Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're redoing a lot of things in the future to get it ready for South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Oh, so um, it's you know it's going to screen there already? Did they invite you? They did. Yeah. We're part of like a something like a festival favorites program. Yeah. So it's right. like um, favorites from Sundance. Yeah, we're so, not in competition because we've already premiered, but right. Yeah, right. part of the program that of movies that was at Sundance. Yeah. So are that's you going to South by? We are. We are yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. 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 But so we're kind of in this mad dash to get the DCPF to South by in time. So that that is one thing that's next. Um, and you guys directed yeah. Adam Ruins Everything. Did you get that off the feature being at Sundance or off the shorts? Um, I suspect that we got that from Paul Briganti recommending us yeah. who we got it while we were still down in Georgia or we mm. got the call about it. And then right when we got back, we had, a we met Adam and John and John at the earth cafe and talked about it. And then we got the job after that. So we were joking that like, Oh, this is this magical period of time. But when we shot a feature, but nobody knows sure, if it's no good or bad, oh, like <laughs> we're totally <laughs> riding on yeah. the, take your time. Use it as leverage <laughs> yeah. to get some other jobs. Yeah. But it was, we had to join the DGA to do that. Like it, that's why we were laughing is like, Oh, we're full blown directors now, even though our movie might be total. Sure. Um, crapola. I hope it's well. <laughs> I've read some reviews. It sounds like it's pretty good. You oh, guys. thanks, Matt. Yeah. And so, do you have anything else coming up? Are you? Do you have another feature? Or are you going to do more TV stuff? What's the plan? Do the offers just are they rolling? Yeah. In? Are you doing a Marvel movie? Rolling it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it's only been a couple of days, but like, have have your lives? changed in any way you know that's the real question right like yeah. did the fairy come down and like anoint you and now you're in the dga and everything's perfect it is funny like i do feel like when we got accepted into sundance it, and that was public it right it is this funny thing that we're we are trying to not take too seriously where all of a sudden like every agent and manager sure. wants you we're getting sent like scripts from production companies looking for a director we're like whoa this is crazy yeah but and that was all um, coming through your managers uh, and some some directly. people find us directly yeah we have like an info 
address sure. on our website. But yeah, so it does feel life-changing. Not that we think it's going to last forever or anything like that. Yeah. But I think we're, we want to continue to make our own stuff. We, um, with a laugh, are like, we want to be the female Coen brothers. So we want to, we do want to keep making films that are, you know, really in our voice mm-hmm. and their own unique worlds and stories. And yeah. so our... We have, like, an idea for our next project, which when we were um, working with IFC, sort of while we were waiting for notes Mm -hmm. from them, we used that time to kind of develop our next project. And we have, like, an 80-page, basically, Bible Mm -hmm. for the world, but haven't touched it in about a year. Oh, that's perfect. Who knows what's in there? Is your writing, like, regimented? Like, are you like, okay, tomorrow we're going to be working on developing or writing like from 8 a.m to 1 p.m yes and it's that is that has been life-changing to me working with Don as a partner because we are so productive (laughs) because we do treat our writing like a nine to five job that's truly like nine to seven often and we you guys are writing nine to seven well we meet at each other's houses and uh-huh. we have our toast we have uh-huh. coffee and sure. toast great good and you know we have lots of emails to answer and things like that but when we're actually writing can i talk about deep work yes <laughs> <laughs> we do something that i feel like i heard about on npr randomly that i was like i think, this is I what think we're carlin doing. is into this as well oh deep work yeah I, I need to ask carlin where i even got this idea but Basically, we the crucial thing about it is that we set a timer, which is usually either an hour, hour, an hour, hour and a half, and then we turn off all internet and phones, and we can't look at any of that, and we deep work, and then at the end of deep work, we have either a 10 or 15 minute break, and then we go back into deep work. And we get to have a snack. Yeah, on the breaks, we have snacks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wait, how long do you de- do you deep work for? Usually either an hour and then you get a 10-minute break. Yeah. Or maybe a five-minute break and then an yeah. hour or an hour and a half. And I'd say we try and do, on a, like a work day, we'll do like five deep work sessions. Mm. So yeah. five hours. And then we yeah. have hours of not deep work. When yeah, we're or like emails. where we're like answering emails. And... and so during deep work, are you ever like with a whiteboard writing scene ideas? Or are you just typing like in final draft or what? We it... use Google Docs a lot for our, like instead of index cards or something, we outline right. in Google Docs so we can both have it up on our screen. And then we write our scripts on writer's duet <laughs> for the same reason, because yeah, right, sure. we found that to be the easiest to have it up on both our screens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd think Final Draft would have fixed it by now. Like, I, the I one know. thing you need yeah. is to be able to share a screen with somebody else. It it's, seems so simple, and I think they have something, but they tried it's never really worked. It's never worked, yeah. 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 Wow, so during that hour, you're, you're typing, in it. you're writing. And then yeah. do you read yeah. your stuff to each other? Oh, constantly. Like, yeah. are you allowed to talk to each other during this hour? Yeah, oh, yeah, we, we only talk. are talking. We, we are we, always talking. Okay, okay. And at <laughs> any one time, only Jocelyn or I will be typing. So we'll both be brainstorming, talking out loud, and she'll type, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And do you so. pace a lot? Pace? Yeah. No, we're always sitting. 
Yeah. What once in a while we'll get up to act something out. Yeah. There's no exercise bike or anything. <laughs> we really should get one. Yeah, we really should. Um, wow, that's all. five hours. That's yeah, a lot Lauren of work. Lauren and I are both jealous. Yeah, that's, I'm like, <laughs> that's how much I get in like a month. Yeah, sure. But I imagine now you probably are getting a lot of people saying like, hey, we have, no one's figured out this novel, you know, like, can you read it and come pitch your take on it? Like, yeah, do you take a, do you go IP for that? This IP thing is so popular. Yeah. It's really yeah. funny. Um, I think what we're going to do next is try to get a feature done before the next festival season, mm-hmm. which means we need to shoot again in like, July so that that is our rough plan and that means we won't be doing adapted things but maybe we'll be tired and not do that (laughs) and And do you finance it again the same way or however you figure it out we're not sure yeah 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 I mean it kind of depends on if uh, your orthodontist is so stoked, <laughs> yes. that person our, makes Our makes next them. movie is very different. If yeah. we need to give everyone braces yeah. to get the money, we can. Yeah, there you go. we'll consider it. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Well, we should probably wrap things up. Probably time to hop into unpaid endorsements. Unpaid endorsements. So uh, I've got two movie recommendations. One is a short of the week I saw on Twitter the other day. Have you guys seen Bickford Park? No. No. It's, it's really wonderful. It's by a husband and wife team uh, out of Toronto. Bickford Park is like this kind of just a quiet black and white movie about a couple um, that are kind of, you know, on the rocks a little bit. And the woman is out for a jog and runs into a kid who's skateboarding and she starts taking skateboarding lessons from him. And it's just oh, kind of like, I love that. it's really like beautiful and quiet and funny and stylized in a way that's like awesome because it's just really uh, controlled, you know? And it's 12 minutes, so uh, Bickford Park is the number one. And then the other one is a documentary called Perfect Bid, which is about the guy who um, fed the answers to the contestant and the Price is Right who did a perfect bid down to the dollar for both showcase showdowns. Wait, fed the answers like in an earpiece or something? No, just shouting from like the audience. What? Because he's a <laughs> he super... You're Wait, allowed to do it. No, oh. they didn't know. They met each other in line. But this guy is like a career Price is Right, careers and fair, just a lifetime Price is Right fan who literally like programmed a game for himself where he would quiz himself on all of the different like prizes and how much they cost and just has an encyclopedic knowledge of prices right that's incredible that's amazing my yeah. grandmother yeah. won a stove on prices really right? wow yeah. yeah and this guy like, like he was a diehard but like is a little boring and so it took him like oh, no. 20 times before he got on the show oh no well it depends like who else is there like if it's yeah, like a true. bunch of old people and they they want to have like a couple young people yeah, sure. young young looking people um, then I think you have a better yeah. chance of getting on. Yeah, yeah, just kind of the um, luck of the draw. So this guy, awesome. was, he every he was a math teacher, and he would spend his summer vacations coming down to go to Prices Right. Uh, I have two really small ones. So I I endorsed like an iPhone trick before, and everybody knew about it. But I have a new one that I feel like not I, as many people. Uh, I know. showed it to my wife last night, and she was like, "What?" And I was like, "You should listen to the show more." Yeah, well, that one, it's kind of awesome, but I actually don't use it that much, even though a lot of people said it changed their lives. But this is my new trick. So from the lock screen, did you guys know this? If you swipe, 
you swipe left, you go straight to the camera, like without unlocking Whoa. your phone, without That's face ID, nice. without no, thumbs. I did not know that. Um, so if you're if you just pick up your phone, right, it's like off, and you just pick it up, and you swipe left, you get to the camera instantly, which is good if you have kids or dogs or just need to take a photo really quick, because usually yeah. it's taking yeah. me forever to like get to the camera. The other like iPhone trick is if you turn on the grid in your settings, you see the grid on the screen. If you take like an overhead shot, like you're doing like your food or whatever, it squirrel. Then uh, there's this, this crosshairs. There's these crosshairs, and if you line them up, then you know your phone is perfectly level for those kind of perfectly oh, level okay. shots. So this other thing, I read an article about it. I'm still a little bit on the fence, but I think it's an interesting idea. Is that like whenever you um, pour coffee for yourself, if you're you like cream in your coffee, that if you put the cream in before you put the coffee in, then you don't have to mix it. We like, only it, do that. Yeah, Jocelyn taught me that trick. Huh. But it's, I mean, I drink a lot of instant coffee. I'm sorry. Why but are it's, you drinking instant coffee? Because we have this like instant hot water dispenser. So it's just so fast to make. I can make it in like 10 seconds. Um, That's cool. And I have decent instant yeah. hot No, coffee. you guys are being too nice. <laughs> but with that, I'm you can't put the it. cream in first. The um, thing that takes the longest with brewing coffee is waiting for your water to boil. So if you've got instantly hot water, you can still just throw it in a kettle. I guess I could use like a French press. Yeah. No, but grinding beans over. and putting, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I make a pour over every single morning. You do? Yeah, it's my favorite thing. Okay. Warren, you got to do it. <laughs> okay, you guys have to tell me if this is really common. But I feel like I've encountered um, a few dog owners that don't know about this. Mm. Rover. Is it an app to get people to walk your dog? To like to watch them. So we, oh, I have okay. seen my my Justin Lerner who lives across the yeah. hall from me has a padlock on his door. Oh, this is Wag probably. Oh, I'm thinking of the wrong. I thing. can't use Wag because I live in a loft that you like can't get in with one of those. But uh, we travel a lot for work, sure. and it, luckily, usually someone in my family can watch my dog. But when they can't. I use Rover, which is like a dating app for people to watch your dog. Like you can oh. like swipe through and find people. It's literally like Tinder, but like, yeah. oh, this person's going to watch my dog for yeah. me. Is it R-O-V-E-R? R-O-V-E-R. Oh, okay. And you can get really great prices. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, usually the people I book on Rover are cheaper than my dog's daycare for like an oh, overnight sure. stay. Yeah. Um, when do they come to your house? You can do either. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, yeah, wow. you can have them come stay at your house. Like one time I had a college student who was this sweet girl, just so excited to have a kitchen because she lived sure. in a dorm. <laughs> and you get to see like a picture. Like this is a weird thing, but I feel like my wife would trust like a female stranger yeah, more yeah. than like a male stranger. I, can you pick time, those things? I bet there's yeah. some statistical proof that backs that up. I feel like, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, that makes sense. I think that's true. Yeah. That girl took Marceau, my dog, to the Grove every day. Wow. Like, six days. College <laughs> students like, love the Grove. Um, yeah. Rover. Okay, mine is a show. Ooh. It's yes. a cabaret show. In New York. So this is for the New York listeners or people that can get to New York. It's the Salty Brine Living Record Collection. And Salty is a cabaret performer who's been performing around New York, particularly the East Village, for the last decade. He's 
hands down my favorite live performer I've ever seen. He's hilarious and like will make you laugh and cry. And what he does is he takes um, albums, kind of famous albums, Uh and reimagines them. And like he'll sing them with like a jazz quartet or he usually Mm -hmm. takes a different music genre and performs the album with like and then he'll take um he'll have like a theme so this month he's he has a residency at joe's pub for this whole year and he's doing um led zeppelin i think it's called four Mm -hmm. is the album i don't know anything about led zeppelin but he's doing that album mixed with tales of the high sea uh-huh. and like excerpts from <laughs> treasure island the awesome. novel so salty brian's living record collection he's at joe's pub he's doing shows basically throughout the rest of the year every like two months and go see him if you have the chance if you're in new york i want to point out a fun fact about salty brian which is that that is his given name no yes. really yeah salty brian the third wow. his grandfather is like a rhode island local celebrity wait is brian his last name yeah brian yeah b-r-i-n-e and yeah. he has a state beach named after him the salty brian's yes. state beach his grandfather who was like played a pirate on a local children's television show (laughs) uh well cool thanks so much for talking to us and congratulations on everything i mean it sounds like a pretty good time to be you guys yeah thank you and we are we feel honored to be on this show we are fans of you guys and so admire what you do for the filmmaking community ah shucks it's true i mean it's really we just want to talk yeah, and record it's, it's ourselves and hear ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't realize other people had access to this for quite a while. So if we want to find out more about you or if our listeners want to see your shorts that are online and stuff, where should they go? Yeah. Um, Vimeo. Vimeo, yeah. Vimeo.com, that's your website? Vimeo.com, yeah. <laughs> we, we started oh, We do Vimeo. have a website. <laughs> yeah. It's called gulpsplash.com. Yes. We update it once every two years. <laughs> Yes. Maybe, maybe update it <laughs> sooner. That right. we, we should update. Or what should people type into Vimeo? Green or grass, and then they'll find your channel? Yeah. Yeah. And our like production company is Gulp Splash. So if you search that, I think that might be that the name of our channel. Yeah, Not right. positive. It's one word. That rings uh, a bell, I feel uh, like. That's actually. two, two words. words. Which one? Who of you is Gulp yeah, and who's, who's Splash? Gulping? Oh, it's the dumbest name, and I, I blame Dom completely for this. <laughs> It was like, we, like, we didn't, we never chose a company name. It was like, we needed an LLC to transfer money sure. into quickly. And this was something Don and her husband were saying at breakfast in the morning, just as a joke. Yeah. So I'm like filling out the paperwork on like the California government website. Cause <laughs> I just had to, to make our short where like, if someone gets injured, we need an LLC. Right. And so it was that Don just like <laughs> Spit it out, like gulp splash. Okay, that'll be it. And then now it's just become our company name, which we don't like, and it's too late to change it. It's too late to change it. But <laughs> it, the could... reason it's called gulp splash too, which is funny, is that Jeff used to cook 
scrambled eggs for breakfast, but it would take a time. You have to clean a pan. And then he started eating just hard boiled eggs. And he was like, they're so easy to eat. You just gulp, splash, breakfast is done. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and and now it's our company. Our company. I think it's kind of a cool name. Yeah, I, it's not so bad. Better I, than my first company, Suction Productions. Suction <laughs> Productions. Suction Productions is We liked Gold Splash Fine until Mitch McGee on the set of Buzz started using it. Like, oh, you guys, like, we, we we're in a rush. We just have to do it. So Gold Splash. <laughs> we're like, no. Now we never can forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you want to find out more about what we talked about, we're going to have a post on our website, justshootitpod.com. You can find us on all social media, just shoot it at, at justshootitpod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. On Instagram, I'm at O. Kaplan. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enloe. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe, produced by Madeline Rosewatt, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. The music you're listening to right now is by the artist Jazar and provided by the Free Music Archive. And if you can leave us an iTunes review, it would be very helpful. So do it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.